I'm excited to be in church this morning, and uh, as I was saying earlier, the pre-service, just love the pre-service, it's Dubs and JD, and it's overcast outside, there's a bit of rain falling, but you know what they say, when the rain falls, faith rises, and uh, I believe as a church, we don't arrive on the back foot, we arrive on the front foot, because God is on our side, He is stronger, His hands are bigger, here we are in His presence this morning, and He wants to speak to us. I want to take a moment just to pray, Father, I just thank you for your church, Lord. I thank you for your bride. I thank you for those you love and you know and you've saved. I thank you for those who are listening online this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would lead us. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and touch hearts. Uh, I pray those who, in, in a state of despair, I pray for hope, Lord. For those who need comfort, would you bring it like you only can. I thank you that you're a good Father. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, good morning. It's good to have you with us. And if you're watching online, so good to uh, join us here. As we've said in this season, that there's no um, barrier to the screen. And I believe that His Spirit is in your home right now. We're on a series called Get Your Life Back. And uh, I love that thought. In fact, I love the graphic behind it. Just that emoji on the right there, big smile. Um, get Your Life Back. Uh, it's a series that Tess opened up last week, and it's from a book uh, by John Eldridge. And what I loved about it is this thought, you know, to get your life back would imply that I might have lost something. Um, and I think in this season, we've, I think, to be honest, we've probably lost something. We've lost some confidence, lost some clarity, lost some courage, lost some hope. But the good news of the gospel is God wants to get your life back. And where God is involved, he, he will endeavor to do that. And so this series really is looking at this thought that perhaps God wants to, we need to make room for God so that He can fill us with His Spirit so that He would give us strength and resilience and confidence and clarity to live this light in spite of what happens around us. I wonder if uh, it's not so much about looking at the trauma and the worries around us, but more about understanding who the God we serve. And so I'm excited about it. Get your life back. Uh, I remember last week, uh, Tess introduced it with this just simple thought. Um, I love that thought of a, a one-minute pause, almost that sealer moment. That, that, that I love how she said, she said that it is in a moment for us just to get our perspective again. In a very noisy world, we can silence ourselves before God and say, here I am. And uh, so I think this series is basically looking at not so much the external stuff, but getting into the depths of our hearts. In a world that feels like it's spinning out of control, God really wants to speak to the depth of our souls. Because therein lies life. It's from the inside that we live. We, we live from the inside out, not the outside in. We, we remind ourselves that here at Link Church. And what I loved is the subtitle, Grace for a World Gone Mad. I think we'll all agree that gone mad, and we'll all agree on that. Um, I, think, I think every generation that's ever lived uh, must have thought the world's gone mad. I think of the 1920s and the Depression, I think they must have thought the world's gone mad. I think when the early followers of Jesus were in the streets of Jerusalem, I think they thought the world's gone mad. In 2021, I don't know about you, but I think the world's gone mad. If you've heard about Afghanistan, if you see what's happening, do we take the vaccine, don't we take the vaccine? Do we move or don't we move? Do we stay in South Africa or do we go? I don't know about you, but the world's gone mad. But I want to come to tell you today, the good news is that we've got the grace of God. And we don't have a, a natural uh, outlier. We have a supernatural God that invades a broken world with heaven on our side. And I think today, to be honest, if we have to look around, we would agree that we live in a broken world. We do. It's the, it's the nature of what happened right at the beginning. It's a sinful world, and it's, it's evidence all around us. In a broken world, but it's in a broken landscape that God brings blessing. It's in a broken world that heaven comes down to earth and fills our hearts and changes us so that we can stand strong no matter the surroundings. Grace for a world gone mad. 
And so today, I really want to set this uh, uh, today up with this simple thought, and I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to read two scriptures, and I'm going to ask a question. And I really believe that in the question, we're going to find some application for what it is to live strong in, in weak surroundings. And the title of my message, if you're taking notes today, nice and simple, it's boxes, backpacks, and the big giveaway. Boxes, that's not what you wear under your jeans. It's boxes, backpacks, and the big giveaway. And uh, I really believe, you know, I, I think it was Forrest Gump who said this, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. And I really believe that life is a, is a, is a myriad of surprises, just one from next to next. I don't know about you, but it feels like that. And I think in this season, to be honest, it feels like life is not like a box of chocolates, like a box of worries. And how do we deal with that? And so we're gonna look at that. And, uh, and I really believe that today, if you allow him, God's gonna speak to you. I wanna read two scriptures. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. It's out the message version. It's Jesus speaking. And then I'm gonna jump into 1 Peter verse five. And just to set the context, you see Jesus is speaking to people that have, uh, he's been into towns and he's preached and they didn't believe uh, because they've been influenced by the Pharisees of the day where, where they said, no, it's all about what you need to do to get to God. And, and Jesus is saying, are you worn out in religion? Are you worn out in doing something? Because the gospel's never about what we do, it's what's already been done. And Jesus says, no, come to me. One Peter, Peter's writing, it's Peter's gospel. He's writing to a church that have been scattered. They're in the diaspora, that's what they call it. It's in modern day Turkey. They have no communication with the apostles anymore. They feel like they're in the minority. They feel like they're persecuted, they're trauma. They feel like it's a world gone mad. And Peter writes this to them. And I wanna read first from Matthew chapter 11. It says this, are you tired? What a great question. Are you worn out, burned out in religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I really believe that this series is, uh, Tess said it so beautifully last week, it's groundwork. I think the gap between principle and power lies in the practice we, we take on. And uh, learn, you see what Jesus is saying? There's, there's application. The good news is not just to be heard, but it's to be lived out. The gap between principle and power lies practice. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, grace for a world gone mad. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. Say freely, freely and lightly. What an invitation. What an invitation to an unburdened life, to live free and light. I don't know about you, I wanna live free and light. Then we're gonna go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. He said this in the NIV, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, the gospel is primarily about lifting you up, that he may lift you up. Jesus, it's all over the New Testament. Jesus lifted up the man who'd been paralyzed for 38 years. He lifted up Lazarus and said, Lazarus, rise up, you are now living. It was God himself who lifted up Jesus so all men would be drawn to him. The gospel is about lifting us up. Get ready to be lifted up in this season. Lift up your eyes and see where our salvation comes from. I look to the hills. I look to God who is my savior. Lift us up this morning, Lord. And then it says, verse seven, cast all your anxiety on him. Say all, all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I love the message translation of this. Peter says to the people who are in the diaspora that are in a world gone mad, he says, live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Now, I don't know about you, but what an invitation to live carefree. I don't know if the world I think is desperate for a carefree life. 
I, but, but here's the challenge. I think we, have a, we, we, we vary on our perspective of carefree. Sometimes we think carefree is that guy that went to the Nisna forest and booked out a life. You know, we think carefree is those hippies on Table Mountain. They just walk around going, I don't care about life. No, no, that's not carefree. That's careless. And I think we live sometimes either on careless side or the careful side. But God says, no, I've got a carefree life for you. See, there's a difference. Carefree is I have a security and a strength in me and a confidence in me that comes from God and not mine. That's the, that's the, that's the invitation for God. I want you to live carefree. Live an unburdened life. Once a year, we go down to the trans car, a place called Imsakaba. And it's the highlight of our years. I mean, we ask our, our children, we say, would you like to go overseas? Would you like to go, go, go to Joburg? Would you like to go to Sinsa? We're all over. Where, where would you like to go? We'd like to go to Transcar, Dad. Where's the best place? No, no, Transcar. And when we go down there, what's so inviting, it's when we arrive, that's the best. When we drive down, see the view, and we arrive for the first time. You know, when you just get out, you've had a long trip, and you stand on that green grass, and you look out the expanse of the ocean, the estuary on your left, the island on your right, and you stand there. You know what you do? You breathe out. It's that carefree feeling. It's that sense that I've been disentangled from the world. This is what God wants to offer you in this season, a carefree life. But here's the question that I wanna ask today, is how do we cultivate a carefree life in a chaotic world? How? You see that word cultivate, every farmer knows you gotta put something in practice. How do we put something in practice? Last week we learned about the one minute pause, just pausing for a moment, that's a practice we can put in play. But how do we cultivate carefree living in a chaotic world? It's a great question, but I think in 1 Peter verse 5, God gives us some, some ideas on how we do that, some application. And I've got three observations, three simple ways that I think you and I can live carefree in a chaotic world. You want to know? Number one, if you're taking notes, write to this, is simply this, centered on Him. Our lives to be centered on Him. Notice Peter, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You know what he's trying to tell us? Let's get a big view of who God is. He's a mighty, the mighty hand. Whenever God speaks about a mighty hand, it's his right hand, which means he's power, dunamis, namanta, they say in Zulu. He is powerful. And I know about you, but the challenge is sometimes we don't think he is. You know, our title is message, boxes, backpacks, and the big giveaway. And, um, you know, I said earlier, you know, it was Forrest Gump who said, life is like a box of chocolates. But to be honest, sometimes it's like worried. And every now and then we sneak open the lid and go, woo, no chocolates inside here. Just a whole lot of worries. And the challenge with us, and I, I thought I'd title that, that the challenge with us is we live our lives with a lot of worries going on at the moment. I mean, a lot of anxiety. The Bible calls it anxiety. That's another word for it. The challenge is there are three things that God says we shouldn't do. Do not worry, do not be anxious, and do not fear. 365 times, the fruit of worry and anxiety is fear. 365 times the Bible says do not fear. The challenge is, I don't know about you, if you be honest, we're living as a human being, I get worried, I get anxious. And someone said this recently, sometimes you, the reason we worry is because we look at the pain of our past, we think about it, oh, it's the fear of our future. But what we tend to do is we spiral right here in the big worry box, and we just keep adding things in here. And you know what happens with worrying? It's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you go nowhere. You just keep going round and round and round. You get the same starting place, same thing. You're spiraling, you're spiraling, and we're sitting in this place. But every now and then as a believer, we know it. The Bible says, do not be anxious, but hand, but with prayer and petition, bring your request to God. And so what we do is we go to God. You know, we go, oh, there's God. And we, and we, and we, and we pick up our worry like this, and we say, okay, I'm gonna pray now. And then we give it to God. And we drop a little worry in the God box. And we say, God, you know what, would you take care of that? And then you know what we do? We stand back. And then we look up. 
And then we look at our watch. And then we worry like, I don't know, I'm not sure God can take care of my wife. Has God seen what's going on in my life? I'm not sure this guy can take care of this thing. And you know what happens we do? We tend to take back the worry and we put it back in our box. And you know why? It's because we battle to trust God. We don't think he's big enough. We don't. And so I really believe what Peter's saying and what Jesus is saying is come to me. What he's saying is look at the mighty hand of God. What he wants you to do is he wants you to get a bigger God and a small little worries. That's how he wants us to live. You know what, I thought about this for a moment. I honestly, I thought about it, I said, what is the biggest problem humanity had? You know what the biggest problem humanity had? Was our sin. Who took care of our sin? Our big God. And I thought to myself, if God could take care of our sin, surely He can take care of my little worries down here. Surely He's big enough to do it. You know what someone said, you know, there are two roads we can walk on. We can walk on the narrow road or the wide road. As believers, we walk on the narrow road. You know why it's narrow? because it's a little me and a big God. There's no more space for anything else. There's no space for doubt. There's no space for conspiracy. There's no space for, space for what I did in my past. It's just me and a big God. That's why it's narrow. And so I, I fix my attention on Him. I wonder if in this season we put, turn our eyes on Him and remind ourselves that He's big and He's able. And He's able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or imagine. This is what Peter was saying for us. You know, there's a psalm that David, John actually read it this morning, Psalm 27. And I wanna just read it quickly because David finds himself in a predicament. I'll read it from Psalm 27. It says, he says, this, he says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Verse three, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Gee, I don't know about you guys, but that for me is carefree living. Do you see that? He's got a war against him and he's standing confident. He's got an army against him and he's, he will not fear. But you see, watch what he says now. Verse four is the key to living like that. Look what he says, verse four. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. Two things he says, you know what it looks like to walk carefree in a character world? Is to dwell in the house of the Lord. And I thought to myself, dwell? You see, he was asking to be in the temple, but that was impossible. He wasn't gonna go and live in the temple. What was David asking? He was asking God, it wasn't about a place, I want your presence. I want your spirit inside of me. You know, dwell can mean two things, surface level, presence. But the Jewish people, the word there is panai, it means face. It means face to face. What David was asking is it's not just enough to be in his presence, I wanna see God face to face. I wanna see the bigness of God face to face. Let me give you an example. Here's Tyron with me on the keyboard here today. And look at Tyron, he's on the keys here. And uh, you and I have been just in the presence of worship. We've been, we've been in worship and we, we've been in Tyron's presence as he's playing. But you know, it's one thing to hear his presence and another thing to really know him. And only after the service, when I come down and I see him face to face, will I really get to know him. So in other words, I can be in God's presence in his omnipresence but it's really about me getting close to, with him face to face. This is what David was saying. I need to see a big God face to face. And then David goes on to say, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in his temple. And I thought to myself, what would he be doing in the temple? Do you think God gave him a vision? 
No, he wasn't. David sat there and it says, to gaze is to look again. He sat in the temple and you know what he looked at? He looked at the priests at work and he looked at the lambs being sacrificed and he looked at the blood being spilt. And you know what I think David did? He looked at the finished work of the cross. He looked, you see, therein lies the power when we see a big God that sent his son to die for us. If you wanna live carefree in a chaotic world, is to gaze upon the beauty of what Jesus did for you and I. It's to remind us of the good news of the gospel because therein lies the power to transformation that I would gaze upon the finished work of the cross. No more pain, no more past, no more regrets. I stand free and saved before Him. Center it on Him. You know, uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of years ago, I went away on a staff retreat and we went up to a, we call it staff advance actually, not retreat, advance, because we're going forward. Anyway, so we went up to a game reserve and I've been in a game reserve for many years when I was a little child to Kruger and I got to go in again and it was a great anticipation because all you want to see is the big five, you know? And we drove around our game vehicle and, and it was more the smaller animals that got my attention because it did get the game rangers because every now and then she'd stop at least five times, stop the thing and I think, oh no, it's gonna see a line, it must be a line. And then we're like, no, look down. We look down, there was a tortoise. And you know, he saw his little tortoise in his legs. You know a tortoise, like he just, he's just doing his thing. He's just walking like get his little head out and he's chewing on the grass. The Land Rover stops. She starts talking about the tortoise. They live old, they do all this, do this, do this. And he says, you know, if you take a tortoise and you move him, and you put him over there, we don't move tortoises. When you move him, he'll go back in the same direction. A tortoise knows exactly where he's going. He won't get off the path. He says, you know, he does that. He says, the tortoise at night, he looks up and he looks at the stars. And that's what navigates his life. And I thought to myself, man, that'll preach. In a world full of predators, that tortoise, in a world full of trauma, that tortoise sticks on one path. You know why? Because he looks up and he sees the stars. I wonder if we'd look up and see a big God in the season because he'll direct us forward. Centered on him. The second is this. The second is this. You know what it's what Peter says? Peter says, cast your burdens onto him. I want you to write this down. Give him everyone and everything. You know, Jesus comes to us and he offers us a different life, an unburdened life. He says, come and give me everyone and everything. I wanna offer you a light and easy life. You know, I think the challenge in the world we live in today and uh, St. Augustine said this so well. He said, we need to empty ourselves of what fills us so that we can fill ourselves of what we empty of. We need to empty ourselves. There's some stuff we've picked up in our lives. You know, I don't know about you, but in our home, we've moved, we've been there a year but like probably in every room in our home, there's a little rat's nest. We call them rat's nests. You know that place in your home where you like, you put the old, you know, it's usually the nail clippers end up there. Where are the nail clippers? In the rat's nest, you know? And you know, it's like, you've got that little place where all this stuff hangs around and we've been there a year and I said to Kath, I think we need to declutter again. We need to take some stuff out again. It's amazing how much clutter we build up in our lives without even noticing it. It's a bit like our souls, actually. We build up some clutter in our souls that we need to get rid of, that, that, that it's, it sticks onto us. And you know, it's, it's so true in our lives. We, we live these lives where we, it's hard to know the gap between private and public. You know, we on, you know, back in the day when we, 20 years ago, I remember growing up, we had that like, you used to phone like this. You do this with a phone and the baby boomers will help you. An extension line. And then you'd phone your neighbor and then you'd actually make an appointment to go visit them, have a cup of tea and see them face to face. But nowadays, you're on WhatsApp, on every WhatsApp group and someone can get hold of you anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I don't know about you, but that frazzles our soul because you know what happens? We don't know the difference between public and private anymore. The, the lines become blurred. And what that happens is it weighs on your soul. You get tired and weary because you know what happens? Invariably, we get over, uh, we over identify with people. 
you know, the gap between empathizing and over-identifying becomes blurred and we lack vision. We don't know how to respond. We don't even know what boundaries look like. But can I tell you, the world is crying out for detachment, a healthy distance. You know why? Because books like Boundaries by Henry Cloud sell millions of copies. People just want to know how to live a healthy life detached from the world. Think about it. We've got unhealthy ways of detachment, binging on Netflix. Yes, Baba. Video games. There's a thing called self-life where millions of people around the world give themselves a new identity online. You know what the world's crying for? Is freedom. Is to take the burden off our shoulders. We're trying to carry something we're never born to carry. You know, I, I got this backpack here. I had another one. I couldn't find the real one. The real one's been up the mountains a couple times, traveled around the world. This one hasn't. But you know, the backpack, we all got our backpacks. If you travel along these roads through Chalker Scrawl and that, you see every, most people driving their backpacks. They've got their backpacks. When you travel, you know what you do? You take your backpack. You know why? Because it's light and easy. What Jesus offers you and I is a backpack life, life and easy. You know when you get in your airplane, the baggage goes where? In the hold below, because it's heavy. The plane carries the baggage. You carry this, and it's light and easy. It's designed like that. When you go climbing a mountain, you can still run with this because it's designed to carry light and easy. The challenge is sometimes in life is we tend to pick up some things along the way. You know, I can associate with this so much. You know when someone says something in a conversation, a word jumps out and then you, you, you think about what they said and you go like, did he really say that? And then you, it's like getting a piece of meat stuck in your teeth. You, you play with it the whole day. You're like, mm. And then you go and you, you think about it and, and then a suggestion becomes an assumption and an assumption be, turns into this big molehill. And then you say, second guessing every conversation you've had with that person. You go back and you look at the emails and then, you, and then you've created a whole thing that never was intended. You know what that is? You're just putting another brick in your backpack. It's that you put, you, you're struggling with it. You see, I got these bricks down. But what we do is we load the backpack and we load the backpack and we load the backpack and we walk around, feel like we're carrying the world around us. But Jesus comes to a world that's burdened. He says, I wanna offer you the unburdened life, light and easy. Would you give me everyone and everything? Yeah, but maybe you're pushing back and you're going, yeah, but you don't know my life, Jesus. What about, what about genuine concern and love for people? Yeah, that's true, but we're not God. We find out He's infinite. We're weak, He's strong. He's got bigger hands than you have. You see, sometimes I think, we think God can't deal with it. We're not sure we can trust Him with that. You know, they asked theologians, they said, they did a survey on theologians, they said, um, what's your favorite book? 99% said the Bible. I don't know what happened to the 1%, but the 99 said the Bible. And then they said, in the Bible, what's your favorite book in the Bible? 94% said the book of Romans. And then they said, well, what's your favorite chapter in the book of Romans? 94% Romans chapter eight. And then they asked the obvious, what's your favorite verse in Romans chapter eight? 95% of them said, verse 28, God works all things for the good of those who love Him according to His purpose. You know how beautiful that is? It's all about God's glory and our long-term benefit. God wants to benefit us. He wants to bless us. He's working on our behalf. He's like the father that comes off the stand and picks you up and walks to the finish line. It's our long-term benefit. He loves you. And what he says to you, Jesus, take the burden off. Give me everyone and everything. Would you do it? But this isn't a one-term thing. We do it today, but I wanna encourage you to do it Monday and Tuesday. Just the last week, I've been lying in bed and 
closing my eyes at night and thinking about my day, it's almost like that one minute pause and I'm going, God, I wanna give you everyone, everything. You know what happens? There's this lightness that comes to your soul because you learn to live a healthy distance. We weren't born to carry everyone's concerns and worries. We're born to live life in freedom. If you wanna cultivate a carefree life in a chaotic world, center your life on Him. He's bigger than you ever imagined. His hands are bigger and stronger. The second is cast your burdens. Give Him everyone and everything. And the last one is this. Peter said it, cast your burdens for He cares for you. Recognize He cares for you. You know, to be honest, I'm a pastor and uh, sometimes I battle to trust God in certain areas of my life. And when I thought about care, I thought care is like, he loves me. But I never realized that actually care is he wants to work on my behalf. He wants to do things for me in my life. And uh, I had a season in my life just going before going to lockdown where we had planned and we had we'd got into some financial problems. Not problems, but we had, we didn't trust God in that area. And I remember we looked at our budget and we went over it, we went over it, we like, and we knew that our, our children were moving on. My son was going to high school and we really felt like God was gonna make a way for him there. We didn't think, we felt God had said that he won't just go to that school, he'll be a blessing in that school. And to that date, God has kept his word. And I remember applying and we went to see the school and we had an interview and we went right to the interview. Right at the end, I just put my hand up. Any questions, said, yo. I said, look, we pastors, we can't really afford this. And so the guy looked at it and he said, no, well, we don't give bursaries here, but you can make a motivation letter and get back to us. So we did, no reply, we didn't hear anything. And we did again, we sent another email, just checking to see you got the email. We did nothing, nothing, nothing until we arrived at our first day at school. Trunk in hand, we like, ooh, ooh, trusting you, God. But my worry box, to be honest, was big. Uh, we had realigned our budget, we'd made some moves, we'd moved out to the farm, we'd done everything. In fact, we'd borrowed some money to get the first deposit in. And then three weeks later, the secretary phoned me and said, hey, there's someone anonymously put the exact amount that you borrowed in the account. I was like, okay, God, you're making it away. And it went on and it went on until a friend of mine, and I felt like I was in that space where Murray Box got big. And he said, you know, why don't you write down what you dream of? And I remember four days before lockdown in a Joburg hotel, writing down an email. And I remember saying, God, uh, I was writing to people, but actually in my heart it was to God. I said, God, I dream of building your church. I dream of building a foundation. I dream of my children getting the best education. I dream of a home that we can live in one day. Just four things. But then I look back and I go, I think in that moment, I didn't realize it, but I was giving him everyone and everything. And I felt like in that hotel room, suddenly a burden came off. But I wish I could tell you I believe that because the next day I woke up feeling just as vulnerable. And it was a day before we went into lockdown, I was sitting in my office and uh, you know what it was like back then, you remember that? We were like playing with Zoom and how are we ever gonna do this and flip, we didn't know whether we were going or coming. And I remember they got a phone call, 033 number, and I thought they were phoning me for the deposit for the next amount. This guy phones me, he says, hey, how's it, my name's whatever, I forget his name, I call him Angel now. He says, hey, he says, hello Mark, he says, yeah, I'm Mark. He says, hey Mark, you're a pastor? I said, yes. He said, oh, your son James? I said, yes. He said, hey, well, I've got good news for you. Your uh, son's education had been taken care of, your boarding and fees for the next five years. And uh, I remember sitting on the phone and I, I said, can you say it again? It was actually in my heart, I don't know whether I fully trusted God. And I said, and then suddenly it came to my mind, I thought, who's done it? You know, who, who's done it? 
And, you know, he had to help me. He said, no, you're a pastor. You know who's done it. And then I realized my father doesn't just see me, but he cares for me. He loves me and he knew me. And he did what I never expected. Now, I know for some of you, you know, when you're in that place where you feel a bit of pain and someone comes to you and says, don't worry, just trust God, that can feel painful. And I know what that feels like. It's almost you want to take a brick and throw it at someone. <laughs> you know, you're like, you're angry inside your heart. And sometimes you do. And I know it's real. We're human beings. But I want to say to you that we can trust Him. And you know, Peter said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, for in due time, He will lift you up. Continue to trust Him, even in that painful space, in your health, in your finance, in your marriage. Whatever you're going through now, bring it to God. Give Him everyone and everything. Watch what he will do. I want to take a moment just to close, and uh, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And uh, I just really believe that this series, Grace for a World Gone Man, it's just a reminder to get back to the groundwork. Some principles that God's given us. I just think of what Tess said last week, just taking a moment to pause in our lives, whether it's before you go to sleep at night, before a big meeting. Perhaps it's just before something that's been on your heart for a while. Something that you can't shake. But right now, we're gonna take a minute just to center ourselves to Him. There in your home right now, eyes closed. We're in His presence. The same God that spoke to Peter, the same God that spoke to His disciples, it's the same God who speaks to us today. Breathe out and you're breathing in. Jesus' invitation to us is to live light and easy and unburdened lives. And I want you to give Him everyone and everything this morning. Everyone, that person, that past regret, that health issue, that finance. Give Him everyone and everything. Thank you, Jesus. He was born to carry it. Give it to Him. And then I want you to thank Him. Thank Him for who He is. Thank Him that He's so big that even our heart can't comprehend. Thank Him that He's so good and generous and kind and loving. Thank Him that He's so close. Thank Him for setting you free. Thank Him for carrying the burden. Thank Him for what's to come. Thank Him for joy that enters your heart. Thank Him for the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you that you've come off the stands and you've come to carry us home to an incredible finish. And as you carry us, we can stand in joy because you have so much more for us. We just pray this in your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.